0: Our reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through verse 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp, comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the title of the message today together we can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Together, we can be filled. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment as we pray? God, today I pray for our church. At this time, in this city, in this place, I pray for our church. I pray... That we will receive the message, not the message that I prepared, but Paul's message. Your message. And I pray that we would not just hear it, but that we would receive it. Welcome it. Embrace it. Holy Spirit awaken us in Jesus name amen now you may notice at the beginning of the passage i just read paul says for this reason i am dropped to my knees and i pray something had moved paul deeply he was overwhelmed by something meaningful and powerful so overwhelming that he was dropped to his knees to pray. This morning, before I dig into that prayer, what he actually prays, I'd like you to understand what it was that overwhelmed him. If you go back and you read in the beginning of Paul's letter, you get a very clear explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He talks about the church what it means to be a part of God's church, what it means to welcome the message, to receive the message, to live the message, and what is the message. And this morning, I want to walk you through that using Eugene Peterson's translation of the message because when I get to this part where he says, for this reason I pray, I want you to feel what Paul felt, to know what he knew, To experience what he experienced. Now, Paul begins the letter, says, To all God's people living in Ephesus. He was writing to a church who lived in Ephesus. It was a small gathering of believers that had been gathered from all parts of the community, made up of all kinds of people, very racially diverse, economically diverse, very, very diverse. And he is writing to them and praying for them because they have been put down in their city for a reason and for a purpose. To share the message, to live the message. Now when Paul wrote that, he had no idea that some 2,000 years later there would be a group of Christian people sitting in a building on this address, on this property, living in this city, that we would be reading it. But through the gift of the Holy Spirit, these words have become not just the words to Ephesus, but to our church too. Recorded and written for us. And so we could read it and say, To all God's people who are living in Louisville, Kentucky, who have been called to be his church. And then Paul begins a careful explanation of the gospel. The first big thing Paul wants to say to us, to you, to me, he said to them, is that this whole work of what God is doing in Jesus Christ is about taking dead people and make them live. Not making bad people good, but reaching into our lives, to your life, to my life, and giving us life. Not just mediocre, dead in living, but life-abundant. And he says this, he says that God, who is immense in mercy, took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. And then he says this, now God has us where he wants us. And all we have to do is to place our trust in him. And he will take our new lives and recreate us into something beautiful and new, to bring something good into the world. And then he he brings up this other part of the gospel, that wherever the gospel is preached, people come together from different backgrounds. As I mentioned before, it was a very diverse group of slave and free and rich and poor, male and female, Jew and Gentile. And Paul describes in the letter how what Christ did on the cross is that when Christ died on the cross, he tore down the walls that separated people. The, the temple curtain that separated people from the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom, and God left the building to go out into the world to bring people together. And through the death on the cross, he destroyed the hostility that existed between Jews and Gentiles, different people, and brought them together through the cross. That he laid down his life to create one new humanity united by the purpose to love God and to love neighbor. Uh, in the message translation, it says, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. So then he says this, and this is again the message translation You are no longer strangers or outsiders. And I put it behind me on my right, on my left you belong here you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone God is building his home building a home he's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he's building and he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation and now he's using you Every one of you, now in this time, fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds it all together, we see it taking shape day by day. My job is to help you see it happening, not to describe something in the past but to help you see that God is doing this now. That he is gathering people from all different places and parts of our city to be a home for him. Not a building made with human hands, but a people in which he dwells. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. The point is, everyone matters. No one is unimportant. Everyone matters. Again, continuing in the message translation, he says, the mystery then is that people who have never heard of God and those who've heard of him all their lives what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. Insiders, outsiders, strangers, now all stand on the same ground because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. They get the same offer. They get the same help. The same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. It's why we have put a stake in that as a church, all welcome, sacraments made available to all people, and we mean all, we mean all. So Paul then goes on and he says, and so here I am preaching and writing about something that's completely over my head, I can't fully grasp it all, it's so big, it's so amazing, me preaching about the inexhaustible. Riches of the generosity of Christ. He says, my task is to bring it out in the open and to make it plain so that you can see, he says, and this is my own word, so that you can see that through you, his church in the world, God is making it plain to everyone. That the good news of God for all people, God bringing people together to live in them, to do his work in the world, that people can see it in you is that I've given my life for this now that's the reason as Paul is laying this all out to the church and He's describing what's happened. He is just overwhelmed with gratitude. He looks at his own life and he realizes, I was one of those dead people. I was living a whole other way. Now I've been enfolded into something bigger than me. And I see in this city of Ephesus, God bringing people together to bring love, love into the world. And so for this reason, Paul, who is a Jew, would normally stand when he prays is dropped to his knees. Does this move you? Does it move you? If it doesn't overwhelm you, it's not the message. It may be that the message is being delivered in an underwhelming way. (laughs) But you know what I believe? It doesn't matter who you are or how eloquent you are. You know what God wants in the world? Not performers, but people who have a big open heart, who can just share all their heart, And the goodness and the love of God and God can speak through anyone and everyone as we begin to clearly articulate what this message is and that is the gospel. And that's what brings Paul to his knees. Knowing that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. So let me dig into this prayer now. That's the reason. The first thing, is, Paul says, he says, knowing all this and knowing what's at stake here, I'm praying that God's going to give you inner strength because you're going to need strength to do his work, to be his people. In a world of animosity and fear and division and hate and prejudice and bigotry and selfishness, you're going to need inner strength to be his people. You know, I, I sometimes watch the show uh, Deadliest Catch, if you've ever seen it, I would never ever get on a boat in the Bering Sea. <laughs> the Deadliest Catch is a show about uh, Alaskan uh, king crab fishermen. They fish in the Bering Sea in terrible weather and conditions, 40-foot waves beating the boat, rocking it back and forth, the crew sliding all over the deck, chipping off ice, avoiding pots that weigh 700 pounds that catch the fish from crashing on top of them, the boat rocking, wondering if it's going to turn over. It's, it's a life or death matter catching the Alaskan king crab. and When you watch it, you, you realize that these crab fishermen are in this big, scary place And they have absolute no control over the weather, or the waves, or the condition, or the ice, or anything. The only thing they have control over is themselves. The captain in the boat, steering the boat, their own attitudes, their own resilience. When they get knocked down, getting back up, standing up, and staying on course, focusing on their mission. When I saw that recently, I started thinking that's what the church is like. That's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the world. We are beat down by waves, by things in life we have no control over personally and corporately. And we can't control those things, but we can control one thing, and that's ourselves. We can strengthen ourselves on the inside. And that's what Paul's saying here. He said, I'm praying that as you live your mission in the world that you will have strength inside of you. You may not be able to change what's happened to you, but you can change who you are and have the strength to face, to endure, to overcome anything because my power is in... You know, it changes the way I feel about myself and the world and who I am when I feel too small or too beaten down when I know that His power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and you and us together. That there is no force in all creation that will ever prevent the love of God from reaching a humble and open heart. The prayer that we will have the strong inner being to face our challenges. That we'd have the strong inner being to stay on course. That we'd have the strong inner being to get back up when knocked down. That we would have the strong inner being to stay motivated. Then he says, I pray that Christ would dwell in you. You know how I understand this? It's like, so invi- suppose I invite Jesus to come to my house for Thanksgiving dinner. I clean up the house before he gets there. I stuff stuff in the closet I don't want him to see. <laughs> I close off the part of the house where the toothpaste has been squeezed in the middle and put in the counter and the toothpaste is leaked out onto the counter. I put on a good appearance. Jesus is coming to my house for dinner, he's going to be my guest. But when Jesus rings my doorbell, I go to the door and there's Jesus and guess what, he has a suitcase. <laughs> he walks into the house, walks straight past me, walks back to my guest bedroom, goes in and starts unpacking and taking his socks out and put them in a the drawer. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm moving in. That's what he means. For Jesus to dwell in us, it it does not mean that he's our guest. He comes and visits us. No, he lives in us. He dwells in us. He sees the toothpaste tubes squeezed in the middle. He sees the stuff we put in the closet. And he changes us from the inside out. That's why I think it's so important that that we have changed the way we do communion here. Because I think it's important that this, we remember that this table is not just a place where we remember Him. It's a place where we, where we, we understand that He is here. It's not just he's, we're remembering Him. No, He is here inviting us to the table. And I think it's a good physical demonstration for us at some point in the service to get up, to walk down toward the cross... That is calling us to Him and to take the bread and cup and to welcome it and to receive it. And to invite Him to live in us again and again and again. Rooted and grounded in love. Paul is praying that we would root ourselves in that love. Put our feet down in it. Put our, our heart down in it. Because where you are rooted is who you will become. It's so easy to be rooted in our resentments, to be rooted in fear, to be rooted in anxiety, to be rooted in bigotry, to be rooted in our politics, to be rooted in all kinds of things that do not produce the kind of people that we want to be. And to be filled full of the measure of God, for people to look at us and say, I see Jesus in him. I see Jesus in her. I see empathy and love. We have to root ourselves in it so that we don't have to fake it till we make it. It just comes out of us because who we are. So that we can grasp how wide and high this love is. I used to read that and go, Oh, it's so great because his love is high for me and wide for me. Oh, it it means that, but it means more. You know what it means? It's wide. Bigger than me. Bigger than our church. Bigger than my race. Bigger than my identity. Bigger than my theological box I put Jesus in. You know, church, we're only Christians. Not the only Christians. And that love just doesn't extend to everyone around the world that calls on the name of Jesus, but extends to every human being that woke up this morning with breath in their lungs, created every person, created in the sacred image of God. And Paul says, my prayer then is that you would know this. Not that it would know it, but know it. Know a love that surpasses knowledge. So we don't have to try to do something, we just are something. I'm not trying to motivate anybody this morning. I'm not trying to inspire anybody to do anything. I'm today, all I'm doing today is talking about Jesus and hoping that he gets inside of you the way he's been put inside of me so that a fire can be lit in your heart and in your life, so you can begin to live for him and to be a force for goodness and love and a world filled with fear. Because God is good. I'm gonna shout it from the mountains. I'm gonna shout it to the masses that God is love. Hallelujah, right? We may sing that song a hundred times, but I'm going to stand in here and I'm going to shout it till somebody can hear it beyond the walls of this church because his love is too big to be left alone in this room. And he says, when this happens, what God wants to do is he wants to go viral. (laughs) He wants to be the church where you are. Church doesn't happen here. It happens where you live. That what's happening is God is incredible. God's a genius. You know, what God does is, God, instead of putting his power in one location, he puts it in a million, billion locations and sends it everywhere. So that when we, we have been opened and he dwells and lives us and we're rooted in it, people can see God is love because we are radiating and we are, it's just pouring out of us. Filled full to the measure of God's love. Empathy, compassion, love, courage, faith. Church is made up of people. It's not a building. Everyone matters. Together we impact the world. And what a ride it is. It's an experience. I really don't want to do church. Church. I want to do Jesus church. To put my life in that and to experience the flow in me and through me and through us to our world. And when I think of that, it just brings me to my knees. Does that overwhelm you?